Life is back on, sports bettors, and BetUS has your NBA, NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year and live betting on all of it. Log in to BETUS.com or call 800-792-3887. That's 800-79-BETUS. BETUS for 125% bonuses with the promo code the Zone 125 You bet, you win, you get paid. BETUS.com. Led Zeppelin can only mean one thing. Our guy Rob Reichel, the Robert Plant of our station here with that voice of his. Robbie, what's up, brother? Well, I got a whole lot of love for the two of you. Not not a, not a lot for that baseball team in Milwaukee. Rob, you stopped. That was my transition. I was going to go, Robbie, do you got a whole lot of love for the Milwaukee Brewers and Craig Council? <laughs> Robbie, guys, Brewers, guys, go. Guys, guys let, me, let me just ask you this. Have I not told you for about three months straight that the only thing getting in the way of this team having terrific success in 2021 was the manager? <laughs> I mean, I guys, I mean, I, it, it's almost... It, 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 I, I hate to even say, you know, I, I could have wrote the story in August with how this <laughs> was going to end. And, and the way everything we talked about on the air, it's just it, as, a, as a guy who supported the Brewers for... Way, way, way too many years, guys, and have watched them now for five decades. Kind of let people around the state uh, down on an annual basis. It's a, it's a, it's a very, very frustrating <laughs> ending because. And guys, we, we I, hey, we could have done a whole show on this together yesterday because I was, I was really R- R- Rowdy did say, or did you say, it or did the caller say it that we should call Rob Reichel up? Uh, the CODS is. I think Nelly said that yesterday. Like, we should get Robbie on to talk Brewers. I'm like, we'll save him for Thursday. <laughs> well, yeah, honestly, I tweeted a whole bunch of things on. Uh, oh, I, I saw know, Tuesday night, maybe. Oh, my, I my saw. favorite, my favorite one, Evo, might have been. I, I honestly now, I, I think the fan base needs to rest their wallets for a little while because you know <laughs> Craig has rested up that pitching staff plenty long, and 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 Sternzy has rested up guys all, all year long, and Nasio obviously signed off on this on this big rest plan. That they had with with the six starters and the fact that in the you know in in, in the in the NL uh, DS you get fifty seven pitches out of Freddie Peralta and you get ninety one pitches out of the Cy Young winner Corbin Burns. That's what they got from those guys. I mean, what Evo? What in the hell was the point of resting? So um, I know they can't hit. I mean, I, I you know I, I put half of that though on on the manager for shutting things down in the middle of September with a fourteen game lead when. When you know when he said we're all good here, you guys you guys know how baseball works. So, but we Rob. we don't we don't want to talk baseball. Though. Well, we, I we, actually we, have we one more. Talk, I, I actually have, I actually have one more question, Rob. Um, your stuff at Forbes.com, Conley Media, incredible. Obviously, you've been covering the Packers and and writing fantastic stories, articles for you know your awesome Hall of Fame career that you've had. What would Rob Reichel write for the headline about a story about Christian Yelich? The headline might say something along the lines of like "time to go." <laughs> Robbie, I, I, I mean, I, I just again, I just don't know how you bring him back. And, and he seems like a terrific guy and all that stuff, right? And he bought tickets for you know people to win the PR battle there as he was hitting the old seventy one or whatever. I mean, but at, you know, at some point in that league, you, you've got to produce. And this is two straight years where he's he's ranked among the worst players in baseball and. Um, I, I mean, guys, for the Brewers to come into 2022 with any kind of plan that has him a central figure in it, I think is absolutely asinine. You just you can't you can't expect 2018, 2019 Yelich to ever show up again. You know, whatever is going on, whether it was the injury or something else, and everybody's got their theories on something else. Um, it just you cannot expect that 2022 Christian Yelich can play left field 140 games and. And hit number three in the lineup, guys. I, I, I think we're probably all in agreement. I, I would have killed for Ryan Braun in that series right now. Fine, you know, sign him off the street in in September and get him ready. Or put it, or Tyrone I, Taylor, or, or or play Taylor absolutely, or on base Jace. I mean, anybody <laughs> other other than Yelich, because yeah, I mean, guys, the way the way they're going right now, or the way he is going, I mean, they might just have to wind up saying goodbye and eating. 
six years of that contract. Jesus. I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, Rob, let's uh, – man, that, man, wouldn't that be something? Uh, Robbie, let's turn our attention then to the Green Bay Packers. I don't want to have you, like, have a – have an aneurysm on air talking about the Brewers. <laughs> so, Robbie, I've had a couple of those the last couple of days. I'm actually more upset. I'm more upset about myself for letting the Brewers still affect me like they do. And as I've hit 50 years, like you said, Robbie, you could have wrote that story in August. Hey, Robbie, how about this? Aaron Rodgers was on the podium yesterday, and they asked him to name all of the 16 quarterbacks uh, that have played for the Bears since his time taking over in 2008. Justin Fields is the new one. Uh, the Packers have just reigned supreme. Over the, what since 1992 when Brett Favre took over as a starter over the Chicago Bears, how big is this rivalry? It's the oldest in the NFL, obviously. Is this still the premier rivalry in the NFL? Well, Evo, it is to fans, um, not as much to players. A lot of these guys will run in the same circles; they have the same representation. I mean, Rodgers and Cutler had the same agent for a lot of years, and then they were kind of buddies off the field and and things to that effect. So. I mean, it, 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 hey, there, there's certainly some bad blood um, just because they're divisional foes and everybody understands the significance that this is a two-game swing when it's all said and done, right? Either, you know, either the Packers are plus two uh, come, come Sunday at about 3.30 in the division over Chicago or they're, or they're tied for the lead. I mean, it's, it's a huge game from that standpoint. But to, to ever say and, you know, take it to the levels of, of back in – you know, the 50s and 60s, and even more recently, guys, the 80s with, uh, you know, the, the the ridiculousness of Forrest Gregg and Mike Dixon, and that was largely on the Packers side of things because the Bears were kicking their tails year after year, and and uh, Forrest Gregg turned things unbelievably dirty. I mean, they, they were dirty for years, and Forrest took it up several notches, but uh, it's nothing like that anymore, Evo. It, it means a ton to fans. Um but honestly, it, it it may be a rivalry that means more to fans than the players. So looking at Justin Fields then, Robbie, how about on-the-field stuff? Is Justin Fields, I mean, early returns and don't really too much about him, the line kind of stinks for the Bears, yada, yada, yada. Is Justin Fields, could he be that guy to turn the, the tides for the Chicago Bears starting Sunday here against the Packers? Well, I mean, he could be. I don't think it's going to be Sunday afternoon necessarily. I, I think he's a long ways away. Now, he's, he's made dramatic gains since that first start against Cleveland, uh, which was a legendarily awful performance. I mean, they're not asking him to do a great deal. And if you watch that Raiders game close last week, you know, Evo, he's, they're keeping things pretty simple. You know, even though David Montgomery's out, they, they want to they start and end with the run game and, and have, you know, have Fields sprinkle in some other things. The defense is unbelievable, Evo. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's, that's usual, Matt right? Calls it the best defense they will have seen this year, which is which is a big statement because they have played Pittsburgh and they have played San Francisco. But but I, I would wholeheartedly agree with him. Um, you know, the, the front seven is outstanding. It, it's gonna it's gonna um, you know get after Rodgers from start to finish. Um, we'll see what Green Bay's offensive line looks like. But but I will say this, Evo. I mean, the, the Bears have not had this level of an athlete, this dynamic of a talent. At quarterback in in several several years, um, none, none that I can even remember, Evo, um, in in terms of what Fields can be long term. Yeah. It, it makes perfect sense to have him on the field right now because, like you said, the offensive line is awful. He can at least run for his life. Andy Dalton cannot. Um, Nick Foles cannot. So he gives him that element with his feet. Um, they just they just have to be careful with, with him, Evo. I mean, much like Joe Burrow. Last year, you know, was was lost to injury because the offensive line was so terrible. You think back all those years ago where Carr, you know, had the absolute nonsense kicked out of him in, in Houston. I guess he was sacked 72 times his rookie year. You you can put these rookie quarterbacks um, in kind of a, a terrible mind frame coming into year two if year one goes bad. So I, I do understand why they wanted to bring him along slowly, but – but, but, I mean, it, it, it's time. They, they needed a dynamic player back there to at least help the offense find a way to get to 20 a game, Evo, because if they can get to 20, that defense is damn good. I mean, it's good enough where they're going to get into the playoffs. Okay, Rob Rash is joining us right now. So, Robbie, let me ask you about the defensive side of the ball for the Packers. What's going on with that secondary? I mean, obviously, Jair Alexander is on the IR. Um, have they said about the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh opinion they've gotten on that shoulder yet? And is Kevin King going to be playing suiting up um, Sunday? Have you heard anything? Uh, you know, I know it's only Thursday, and they're not going to put out a final injury report and you know for, for another day and a half here, Evo. But I, 
it doesn't look good for King. Um, you know, I'd, I'd be surprised on that um, if, if he's able to go. I mean, so now we're talking Stokes, Sullivan, and, and Isaac Yadam, right, as, as, as the top three headed, heading into this game. I mean, they, they signed another guy off the street yesterday. Yeah, Quentin Dunbar, old, right? Yeah, exactly. Dunbar, the old Lion and Seahawk. And, I mean, you the... The only thing that bodes well out of all this for Green Bay this week, at least, is the opponent. And this this is not a high-flying, passing, go-crazy type of offense. But, you know, Allen Robinson's going to tear up whoever out of that trio I just listed put on him. I mean, I would I would imagine they try to go Stokes head-to-head in, in that particular matchup. He's, he, you know, he certainly is Green Bay's best out of that group we just outlined, Ebo and um, he's not going to give up huge games because he runs extremely well. But it could be a game where, you know, Robinson's so smart and crafty, you know, that he gets, you know, 11 catches for like 115 or something. He, may not, he might not average a ton, but they're going to get him short and intermediate stuff on, on slants and crossers and, and things like that. He, he won't beat Stokes over the top. But, you know, on the other side, then, I mean, Mooney can run. They do have some other guys who can run. The question is, will, will Fields have time and can he get them the ball? But, um, yeah, no, Green Bay is beat to nonsense back there. I mean, well, they're going <laughs> like to beat to nonsense. <laughs> they're they're going to they're gonna have to get safety help uh, on, on some of this stuff. You know, although last week you saw some of that doesn't go well either when, you know, you, you leave Savage alone with Chase on a certain play, right? And Chase scores a 70-yard touchdown uh, right right before halftime. Um, so, no, they're, they're, in, they're in trouble back there right now when, when, you're, when yeah. you're down one and two and, and you're down, let, let's say, arguably one of the three best corners in football. Um, again, they're, they're probably facing a bottom six to eight passing offense, with, which works in their favor this week, Evo. But at the same point in time, um, you know, they're, 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 they, are, they are in some trouble back there just with what they're going to put on the field Sunday. Uh, Robbie, what about the offensive line for the Green Bay Packers? Um, you know, some guys banged up. Uh, hopefully they get some guys back sooner than later. What's it like for the, uh, the unit to protect number 12? Yeah, real positive signs on, on that, Evo. I mean, it certainly looks like Myers will be back at center, which, which again, you know, I, I'm a Lucas Patrick guy, so I, you know, there, there's not a dramatic drop to me, at least. Maybe there isn't inside their film study, but, but I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a nice, savvy veteran to have it as, as an option, which is where they went last week. But Myers should be back from that, that finger, and again, he's, you know, he, he's held up pretty well here the first first month of the season that, that he played. That The real key is Jenkins on, you know, over at left tackle. Um, and, and, boy, Evil, you know, they're so conservative as an organization, I don't want to wager a guess which way they're going to go with him. Uh, come Sunday, I'll just kind of outline it both ways. You know, if if, if he's back, it's it's a huge positive from the standpoint. Um, you know, these tight ends and these running backs that have had to stay in and ship so much, they shouldn't have to do that. He is, even as good as the Bears' front is, uh, Jenkins is Jenkins is that good himself, Evo, and and they should be absolutely fine leaving him one on one most most of the time. Um, you know, if, if it is Yash back there at, 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 at left tackle again for what would be a fourth game in a row, third game in a row, I'm kind of losing track evil. But um, they're, they're going to have to leave Tunyon into chip. They're going to have to chip with the other backs. Whoever the tight end is, you know, on, on a particular play is going to have to stay in and chip and, and give a little bit of help before he releases on his route. And, and you know, everyone's up in arms about why, you know, Tunyon's numbers are down and the, it, yeah. the, the numbers aren't as good, you know, from, from the tight end group in general and, and things like that. Well, they're being asked to do different things just because of the, the injuries to the offensive line. And, and even when they get Bakhtiari back, when they get Jenkins back, um, and that left side of the line looks, looks entirely different, I think you're going to see the offense look entirely different as well. So those are kind of the two, two scenarios. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess, Evo, if I had to wager a guess, I, I, I think it's, it's maybe slightly better than 50-50 on Jenkins. But, but again, you are talking about one of the more conservative organizations in the league when it comes to injury. Uh, Rob Rashford joining us right now, Forbes.com, Conley Media. Robbie, before we uh, get your prediction of what's going to happen in the Windy City, you still thinking about all those missed field goals for Mason Crosby? Should we be concerned about <laughs> Money Mason moving forward? What a game, by the way. What a game against the Bungles. Just a just a terrific game. I mean, that's that's an all timer. <laughs> the drama, it? dude. The yeah. drama. I mean, I mean, the average fifteen year old kid will be talking about that game still when he's forty. I mean, that that's one that stays in your mind. Uh, no, no question about it. But 
I, I, honestly, well, I think Mason's going to be just fine. My I, my bigger issue with them on a whole is um, the rest of the special teams units. And it's clearly right now in Mason Crosby's head uh, that he doesn't trust the blocking up front, and there and there's something going on with with, with him and the holder. You know, uh, Corey Bojo, I as I call him because I can't say his last the name. The Horkins. Um, <laughs> there, see, you're a radio pro. I am not. Um, <laughs> I only have to spell it. And so, uh, you know, you, you, you watch them evil after that missed extra point. You know, this, this was very Mason Crosby-like. You know, he, he, he had some very harsh words uh, for Bojo, and, and he went at him pretty good. And, and Crosby doesn't do that a whole lot. We're, we're, used, to, we're used to Aaron Rodgers doing that. Um, undressing everybody in sight, but 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 not Mason Crosby, Evo. So um, there was clearly some issues there with the hold. Uh, if you remember in the Pittsburgh game, the Steelers had the blocked field goal right before halftime, brought it back for a touchdown, wound up being offsides, and it wasn't by much, Evo. I mean, it was we're talking a hundred to one hundredths of a second. They were not offsides by much, um, but but opponents continue to get terrific pressure. Uh, on Green Bay's field goal attempts, and and maybe that you know maybe that had something to do with the fact his you know his his kicks were all to the left, and he just doesn't trust that that you know the blocking on 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 that particular side of the line. Evil, I this this guy's been through hell and back when you think back to his 2012 season. Evil Crosby, that is, you know, he was 21 of 33 that year. That's 63 percent. He had that horrific game in in 18 against the Lions. I mean, he's. He's been punched in the head a number of times, and he keeps getting <laughs> off the canvas. And, and I expect him to get off the canvas as well. My big issue is can Mo Drayton get the rest of these goofballs off the canvas as well? Because special teams has been a problem. It's Why is that? To be a problem now in Green Bay, and we're we're talking seventeen straight years of problems. People, I don't. Under, I've never understood the Packers special teams. How one unit can be so bad for so long? It's like it's like a haunted house, uh, Robbie. Uh, before, by, by the way, Bo, I, I don't understand the Badgers special teams units either <laughs> right now, so maybe... Rob, maybe, I don't maybe, understand maybe, a lot maybe, about maybe the Badgers. Those, maybe those two guys uh, running special teams could, could get the same headline that Christian Yelich got earlier. Hey, before I get your Packers prediction, uh, Badgers are going to beat up on the, the uh, on Army, right, on Saturday? I have no idea. Rob, Army has more pass- make of these of these Badgers. It, it was nice to watch them. You know the 1931 Badgers offense come back uh, huh? to the football field on on Saturday at Illinois, um, they, you know, and, and, and run the ball 100 percent of the time. But uh, <laughs> Robbie Army has more passing touchdowns than the Badgers so far this year. I saw, I saw that stat. It's, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. Um, yeah, that's a good I, word, I, fascinating. Would, I would expect them to Evo, but but again, we'll who see. cares, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you, we'll you, can, you can't beat anybody good. You can't beat anybody in the top 25 and. You know, if, if that continues, you're a 500 football team. Yeah. All right, Robbie, no 500 football team for the Packers. Are they going to be 5-1 and one after the game comes to conclusion on Sunday in uh, Chicago? Aaron Rodgers, 21-5 and five against these guys, Evo. I mean, yeah. I mean, in a, in, a, in a simple word, yes. I mean, I just – I don't think the Bears can score enough points, to be honest. And, and as good as that defense is that, you know, that they're going to roll out there um, – you know, obviously with Mack and Smith and Quinn and Hicks and, and all those guys. I mean, it's it's a beast. But but Rogers has always found a way against them to put some points on the board. I'm, you know, I, I'm going to guess like 27-13, 17 I, I actually think this will be semi comfortable. I don't I don't think it's a field goal game, Evo. I, you know, I I, I think Green Bay is going to do enough to mess with fields, and you know, it, it certainly helps that. You know, Joe Barry has some some background and some knowledge with with the defensive system that you know the, the Bears are going to run here, and, and he's able to pass that on to Rogers. So, no, I mean, you, you think back to it, Evo. Um, you know, thirty years ago, this this, this was the most one sided, lopsided series you could find, and Favre went twenty two and ten against these guys, and and now Rogers is twenty one and five, and he'd probably be twenty two and four. Except he broke his collarbone on the on the first series of that 2013 game when they were an 11 point favorite, um, they were they would have probably rolled that night too. So I mean it's it's been one sided dominance for for Little Green Bay and and I fully expect it to, it, it to continue on Sunday, Evo. Rob, we appreciate your time and we'll follow along at Rob Reichel on Twitter, Forbes.com, Conley Media, and be sure to check the mail. I got a Craig Council jersey coming your way, okay? Well, would you want to have a would you want to have like a book burning, a jersey burning party? 
Yeah, I, I will break that jersey a lot, Evo. And uh, uh, Nelly's also sending his Christian Yelich jersey. He doesn't want any more in the in that package as well. <laughs> so be on the lookout, Robbie. We love you. We love you, Robbie. All right, guys. Life is back on sports betters, and BetUS has your NBA, NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year and live betting on all of it. Log in to BETUS.com or call 800-792-3887. That's 800-79-BETUS. BETUS for 125% bonuses with the promo code THEZONE125. You bet, you win, you get paid. BETUS.com. I did see this from Sports Illustrated. Here is the Facebook post. People might not like it, but we probably need to give the Houston Astros some credit. And they talk about how the Houston Astros have been proven they are not a product of cheating. Yes, they cheated, and we won't forget it, but it's pretty apparent at this point that they aren't a product of cheating, and they're a heck of a baseball team. Another person that says, I'm not defending what they did, uh, but I am saying it should probably no longer solely define them as a team. And then another writer had said, the Astros are clearly awesome. And it's time we all admit it. Um, I'm going to say I feel like that's this is what that article said is exactly kind of how I felt the whole time. About the Astros? The Astros have a really good nucleus of young players, and they've had that nucleus for five years now. They had really good starting pitching, especially when the year they won the World Series in that timeline. They still have pretty good starting pitching. I mean... I don't know anyone that thought that the Astros were just a one-trick pony because they cheated. I mean, they've been consistently good the last five years. I mean, they have guys like Jose Altuve, uh, Carlos Correa, Alex Bregman. Yep. I mean, they're st- they have a lot of stars on that team. The Strohs are the third team to go to five-plus straight league championship series. Strohs have done it 2017 to present. Tying the A's in 71 and 75, only the Braves have done it from 91 to 99. I think they've been one of the – we can go back and look at – if you look at uh, who has the best record in baseball the last five years, the Astros are probably, if not the best team in baseball record-wise over the last five years. They're definitely in the top three. Yeah, they're unbelievably Uh, good. I would say did the cheating benefit them? Of course it did. They ended up winning a World Series. Does that define them now, though? Or is a time that, That's, hey, it happened, move on. I mean, that they'll always be remembered for the team that was stealing signs electronically with the uh, video and everything like with that. the buzzer on their yeah, chest. Yeah, the, the buzzers. That'll always be there, but people will kind of forget because of that that this actually was a really good baseball team with a lot of talent and players outside of that. Do you... Th- do you think it's, I wouldn't say ironic, but it's... it's. See, I, I think take away the sign stealing with the video and all that, take away the buzzers and all the trash can banging, banging. this is still a team that could have won a World Series. Would they have won the World Series without all that stuff? Maybe, maybe not. But they were one that was going to be in the thick of things. Do you think it's pretty rich that the Strohs now are going against the Red Sox and the manager of the Red Sox... Is Alex Cora? You think that's pretty rich? That's pretty like you know. I don't say ironic, but it's it's a nice little storyline for the ALCS. Well, I mean, plus you, it's the Red Sox. You have all the cheating scandals. The cheating scandal itself, like obviously, it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, especially how Rob Banford handled it all. He didn't do anything to the players, right? It was just front office manager, like, hey, you're gonna get a little slap on the wrist. Some guy's going to lose his job, but he's going to get hired right and away I, for the Red I, Sox. And we've talked about this, too. I I don't care. I think sign stealing has been a thing forever. You've been trying to do it even when you were in Little League. But the Astros took it to another point. The buzzers the and buzzers the video. The buzzers on the chest, the video. Yeah, that, that's too far. I think the banging on a trash can is hilarious. Like, that to me is just hilarious. Well, that would be like, okay, think about if you were at uh, in Little League and you figured out their signs and you were on second base and you did like a little hand signal or like a clap to the batter. Yeah. I mean, that's basically the same thing that them banging on the it's trash can. Banging on was. trash cans. Like, why is this guy I, banging on trash I don't think that can? was a, a huge issue. It was a more, buzzer. It was more of the, the video stuff and knowing what was coming and the buzzer right the buzzer when what was that Altuve and what, they actually was never, that Altuve with the buzzer yeah on? they actually never proved that he had a but buzzer but it was on, like but stunk it, to high heaven right yeah I mean it 
oh, don't rip my shirt off. I, I just, just got, got a, a new tattoo. tattoo. And then like... Except he never got the tattoo, like the timeline never added yeah, up. Yeah, and then like a month later and then like the next season when he's not supposedly wearing the buzzer, they're ripping his shirt off after a game-winning hit. <laughs> and he didn't care. Yeah, no. Uh, let's go to the phones quick. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Chris Jackie won a game, final play against Tampa Bay, and then final play of the game. Enterprise out. Thank you, buddy. Dynamite dropping, Charlie. Those years of broadcasting school are really paying off. And then out of the <laughs> out of the NLDS rowdy, it's not the Brewers to face whoever wins tonight. It's the Braves waiting to see who they get, the L.A. Dodgers or the San Francisco Giants. You have any rooting interest anymore with the Brewers out? Do you, like does it even matter anymore? I don't really care. I don't. I just I would prefer I guess maybe the Giants just because I hate the Dodgers. Honestly, if I had to pick for the three teams that are still alive, I'd probably pick the Braves. But then all of a sudden you have to remember what they did to the Brewers. Yeah. Because I mean, the Dodgers are the Dodgers. They're gonna buy their worlds. Well, it's, they're gonna attempt to attempt buy to their buy. World Series. Really haven't had much success in that World Series department outside of a shortened 2020 season. I mean, let's not forget they were the the team that lost to the Astros with the the buzzer and the stealing signs yep, incident. They're the ones. Um, but yeah, outside of 2020, they hadn't had a World Series since 1988. Yep. You do have the San Francisco Giants who traded World Series was with it? the the Cardinals every single year. It felt like from like 2010 to like 2015 or so. I don't remember the exact number, but I remember the the first part of it from 1988 to last year when the Dodgers won the World Series. They spent a, I think it was three, I know it was three, I think it was 3.2 billion with a B dollars on their total um, salary, Rowdy, from 88 to last year. Yeah, I mean. 3.2 billion dollars. Look at their payroll this year. It's like almost $300 million. (laughs) That's three times what the Brewers are spending. Oh, man. But, uh. I don't know. I'm kind of tired of the Giants. I saw a lot of them in the 2010s decade. I'm more tired of the Dodgers than I'm the Giants, though. You haven't really seen the Braves be super competitive in this type of, uh, I guess you'd say, situation since the 90s. It's been a minute. Yeah. Now, it does hurt a little bit because the Brewers just lost to them. But, I mean, they have a really good team. They They have some likable players. They're even missing one of their better pitchers and arguably their MVP in Ronald Acuna. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, he's been done. And then you looked at the we already kind of looked at the other side, but you have the Red Sox who a lot of people were on that Red Sox bandwagon, but dude, they've won like 3 World Series since 2004 since they broke the curse. They've won a lot of World Series. They're Boston, they spend a lot of money. They do. Houston, yeah, they're they're the one that everyone hates. The cheaters because they they're the cheaters and they've won a World Series recently. I the Stills like, are just the Stills are so good. I feel like to me it's it's probably the Braves, even though they just beat my favorite team in the Brewers. <laughs> well, which, then you can say, as usual as Wisconsin sports fans, right? You can say, well, the team we lost to eventually and went it's on not to win even it all. That. It's like you have a guy like Freddie Freeman who's a really likable guy. Yeah, he's a you have he's a, a baller. You have a guy like uh, Ozzy Albies and Dansby Swanson that are heck of a. Heck of baseball player. I, don't, I mean, I, Austin Riley really came on. Rowdy, Adam Duvall. I don't want to know. I don't want to do this to you, but what about Jock Peterson? I hate Jock Peterson. <laughs> That's the one guy I'll hate. I hate Jock. Peterson, you hate Jock Tober, and I absolutely hate that he hit the home run with Anthony Rizzo's bats. Another guy that I do not like. Um, speaking of Anthony Rizzo, fine. Everyone on the Braves is fine except for Jock Peterson. Benjamin, get that mic. Get your mic, boy. And that that hate goes back to not when he was with the Cubs. It was when he was with the L.A. Dodgers. Anthony Rizzo. Yeah. What did you do yesterday? You guys saw my petition? What did you do? I started a petition uh, that is sure to go across the state of Wisconsin to bring Anthony Rizzo to Milwaukee. Do you want want to get your ass kicked when you walk down the street? I I want them to win, Ebo. I want them to win a World Series, and they're not going to do it until they have an impact bat. Wait, you want them to win a World Series? Aren't you friends with Grant Bills? I am. No, he he actually he phrased that wrong. He'd like them to make a world series. Oh, okay. oh come on. <laughs> Listen, you guys can group me in, in this discussion and classify oh, what ben I just say. Took his do, gla- do whatever the ben hell. Ben just you took want. his glasses off. He's getting I serious. I don't care. So you want Anthony Rizzo they on need the Brewers? Anthony Rizzo. God, he would just disgrace a Brewers uniform. Man, you know, it would it would be lovely if they threw like thirty million dollars a year at uh, Freddie Freeman for like the next four years. Well, I don't think Freddie Freeman will even see the open market. 
Rizzo, I don't either. I think is a lock too. I don't either, but I would throw thirty million and say, "What's this do?" Hundred percent. Oh, I'd rather Freddie Freeman than Rizzo. Oh, but if, um, if Rizzo's out there, forgive and forget. I know he's a Cub. Whatever. They need him. You know who else is out there? Chris Bryant. At the end of the season, <laughs> Get out of here. we're talking first base. Travis Shaw. Yeah, the mayor. Ugh. Can we have a? He's th- cooked. Can we have what a? I mean, the mayor's, re- in the, the mayor's in the ALCS. Can we have a third reunion? He's cooked. The mayor's in the ALCS. Brandon Belt, also cooked. Yeah. Well, said, did, you say Jose, did you say Jose Abreu was on there? No, he was just one of the higher oh, that, paid the first basemen. No, I mean, literally, the list is two guys. It's Freddie Freeman, who probably doesn't make it to free agency, and. It's Anthony Rizzo. They need an impact bat at first base to save their healthy pitching staff. Unless <laughs> Kess Daddy, Keston Hira, can oh, turn it around. I I'm still haven't wrote off Keston Hira. He had a bad 2020 where he did drive the ball and was productive when he hit the baseball, struck out a ton. And then obviously this year he was going through a lot of stuff with his mom having cancer yeah. and, and the family not doing well. St- I still give him next year. Next year is his big year for me. If if he comes out and just really struggles and looks like he did in 2020 and 2021, then I'm off that bandwagon. But I'll give him one more year because if he can come back, and I know we've been saying this for a couple more years, but for some people, uh, for some reason, people are still on that Yelich train <laughs> after, I mean, basically the same exact two seasons that here ahead. So this is the thing is if you get a guy like Rizzo, you could put him third. Move Yelich down to seven. One, the expectations are lower. Two, I think that might help him. I think if you take some pressure off of him and his back, physically and literally, then he might actually turn it around. What if all, I like Nelly's answer. I don't know if you heard this, Ben. What if Rowdy Telez is the first baseman for the Milwaukee Brewers, starting first baseman next year, Rowdy? Rowdy Telez, Rowdy. I, I would say it. It's like it eh. doesn't it doesn't surprise me that the Brewers wouldn't want to spend money. Maybe there was no shot at Freddie Freeman, and maybe we'll say the Yankees threw an ungodly amount of money at Rizzo to resign him. Other than that, though, if if like one of those two guys, well, we'll we'll keep Freeman out of this because he could take a sweetheart deal to stay in Atlanta. But like if Rizzo takes like a deal where it was like fifteen million dollars for one season somewhere, yeah, and be kind of upset. I mean, Rowdy Telez is your backup plan of all backup plans. Vogelback, see you later. You're out of here. Yeah, he's done. He's well, Rizzo is not going to do that because he was already getting paid nothing for the last like seven years in Chicago. He's going to want money. Yeah, the Brewers, they don't, they don't like spending a lot of money. I know they don't like it, but I, this is what angers me ben, about baseball. They spent, what when did they you spend, look at the Rowdy? Tampa Bay Rays Hang and on. when you look at the Brewers, and one, the Brewers, top 10 in attendance. They're making money in those important areas. Yeah. They, they in theory, have the money to spend. Baseball owners are just such scumbags, and they don't want to do it. The Brewers will always be in this. Once they have their good windows, they'll, they're scared to be great. They won't open up the pocketbook. They go, obviously, they, it needs to hit, and they need to do well. But they're scared to open up the pocketbooks and do it. What, Rowdy, when they send you money, it was Grandal, Mike Moustakis, et cetera. What was their payroll? $136 million. $136 million. The most they've ever put in payroll. $136 million. What is it this, this year? This year it was a little over 100 I believe. Before, and they were before crying the broke. season, it was at $93 million, but obviously they added players. And remember before the season, they were already crying that they, they were taking losses? You remember that? Then, yeah. But he also, that was two years ago. They are like, oh, we were taking losses. Well... One, you paid for an entire new renovated spring training home. Mm-hmm. Two, you also happen to have your biggest uh, salary or payroll you had ever. And three, attendance was a little down. Uh, and then 2020, obviously, there was no attendance because you guys voted on that. Yeah. And there was limited attendance this year because uh, that's what you mandated. Yeah. I mean, the CBA is like, we can't have anything there. Uh, all right, so Ben. Uh, real quick, because I started with Rowdy. Stros, Astros, does the cheating define them still? Oh, sorry. Of, of course it defines them. As this writer suggests for Sports Illustrated, it's time to get over it, essentially. Yeah, well, that, no. I, I don't know how else to respond to that. The only way you get over it is if they have prolonged success. They can't just come out like they are right now, have a little good playoff run, and then everyone forgets about it. You need to be like Tom Brady, who then goes on to win Super Bowl after Super Bowl after Super Bowl, so we forget the fact that he cheated his way to two of them. 
His early career Super Bowls, he knew exactly what, or his team knew exactly what play the offense was running because they were spying on them. This is like the Astros. If they can go on and win three more in the next decade, then fine. I, I'll I'll consider it. Or would you consider they that a bad they decision? They perfected their video yeah. and they perfected their buzzers where you couldn't tell. Is that it, also could be happening, but I don't it, know how people can just throw that under the rug. Is it the good looks? Is it the supermodel wife? Is it the, all the rings, the bling? Is that what? What is it? Your hatred of Tom Brady? No, I like him now. Is it because he's so handsome? No, he ruined my childhood. I don't know why you'd you'd hate him so much. I mean, yeah, he beat well, Donovan McNabb, Grant but he also dropped the pass so Nick Foles could beat him. No, I understand. I like him now, <laughs> but early earlier in my life, I did not, and I've since gotten over it. But still, I don't know how you could just throw that to the side with the Astros. I mean, it still rubs me the wrong way that, like, nothing happened to them. It was just Rob Manford being like, who cares? The only likable part of that team is Dusty Baker. I like Dusty Baker a lot. The trash can thing is hilarious to me. Are you a big toothpick guy? Yeah. I like toothpicks. I've never seen you with one. Well, I don't normally have them on me. I'm going to have zone toothpicks printed up and put them in here. I'm a toothpick guy, too. Anyway, I hope the Sox beat them in four. Send them home. (laughs) And uh, Giants, Dodgers, and he. Yeah, I'm a Kapler guy. Giants oh, are going to yeah, win the Giants, World yeah. Series. All right, so uh, have this little interesting conversation coming up here about David Stearns and the Mets. The New York Post, <laughs> the New York Post, uh, Post with the headline: Mets could pry David Stearns from the Brewers with a potential trade. He got one taste of losing in September. Now, we, now he wants more. <laughs> The uh, again, he saw what a collapse looked like from a good team. Now he wants to go to a mediocre one. All right, the New York Post out here with a story about how the Mets need to trade for David Stearns. Said so Stearns, an architect of the Milwaukee teams that have reached the playoffs four straight seasons, considered among the biggest fish in a small pond of executives, could appeal to the Mets. The industry expectations of the Mets officials will reach out soon to ask to permit for permission to speak with Stearns about their opening. Rowdy, if the Brewers uh, grant permission, permission, is this kind of like showing that Stearns is eventually going to see the door here? Well, my first big thing would be, why would the Mets want to trade for David Stearns? He's under contract for one more season. Then he is technically a free agent. Yeah, they say the wild card here is Stearns entering a trade talk, or the Brewers a trade talk. Um, uh, Let's see here. You know what I'm saying? It's like, if you just waited a year, you wouldn't have to give anything up and you could just go get him. Yeah, he became the Brewers general manager from Manhattan, yada, yada, yada. After a stint working in the Houston front office, Mets owner Steve Cohen has already spoken with you. Epstein about the position, which two sides says no thank you. Uh, Yada, yada, yada. Still unclear is where the Mets might stand with Billy Bean, who is under contract with Oakland. Also need permission for him. But they were saying that if they don't get permission to speak of Stearns, then maybe they could uh, offer up a trade. For David Stearns. So Theo Epstein doesn't want to go to the New York. You know it would be hilarious? They package up some deal for David Stearns. They send him out. Obviously, they still have a really good framework, the Milwaukee Brewers, that is, with about what well, your, your entire starting pitching, your closer, and the majority of your roster is in place through 2024. Mm-hmm. So, you, so no matter who's coming in to be general manager, you have a solid uh, frame through 2024. What a, a nice solid window. But what if they traded David Stearns, added a couple pieces? What's well, so I was gonna it, say? What if they and added then, Christian Yelich? Um, Theo Epstein is like, you I want to go to the Brewers. I'm gonna go to the Brewers. I would love. And I would one, take you're obviously grabbing one of the better general managers in the game. Right there with he's won championships. He's won multiple championships. Yeah, yeah he's a baller. He's Everyone a beast. Everyone can say David Stearns does more with less, but at the end of the day, Theo Epstein has multiple world championships with cursed teams. It, exactly, and David Stearns does not. So you'd be bringing someone in like that. You would obviously be acquiring assets because you traded Stearns, and uh, on top of that, you already have a good framework, and you got about eh, half a dozen uh, current prospects that are probably going to be able to help your team out between now and that 2024-2025. What if the Brewers wanted to get out of that Christian Yellis contract and somehow they're like, all right, we'll give you Stearns, Mets, but you have to take on the Christian Yellis in the contract. The Mets would probably still look to unload. They'd probably, I don't know, they, they would probably want to get rid of a big contract as well. So you'd just be flopping bigger contracts. Yeah. I mean, I, just, I don't think they're ready to, to, to cut bait with uh, Francisco Lindor yet. 
But that was a big contract that uh, didn't pan out. Well, I don't think the Brewers are ready to cut back with Christian Yelich, though, either, too, you know? Like, I mean, it's not like they're going to. That contract hasn't even started yet. Oh, my God. Um, but I think it was funny because I brought it up in jest yesterday, just joking around, like, you know, could the Brewers trade David Stearns and package up Christian Yelich along with the contract? And then what is the uh, more evidence that everyone listens to the show, obviously, as the New York Post puts it out there, Mets could pry David Stearns from the Brewers with a potential trade. Why would you want to go to the Mets, though? He would just be doomed for failure. Doomed. I guess he's from the area, I guess. He's from... You could look at it as, hey, it was my favorite team growing up. It's a definitely a real project. I put Milwaukee into the quote-unquote golden years no, of baseball. I'm done with the golden year thing. Hey, you and, you and Bills were the ones that were really running with that. Well, that was a good topic. You got the juices flowing. got the people talking. You're uh, you're golden. What do you you have a golden wow. year, right, Rowdy? Eighty two. Wow. What? what? I just realized I didn't even know he was still under contract with them. Robinson Cano is still under contract with the Mets through twenty twenty three. Wow. I didn't know that. Uh, on Twitch, we have an offer. <laughs> Talk about bad contracts, Rowdy. We have an offer uh, on Twitch from a Cubs fan. We will give y'all Jason Hayward for Yelich. No. <laughs> Two years left for forty-four million dollars. I know. I know. Jason Hayward's done. And Yelly, we don't know for a fact if he's done or not, but it's it's looking that way. <laughs> looking that way. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, all right, Rowdy. Here's what we're gonna do. Ben, could you ever see a scenario where David Stearns gets traded to the Mets here? David Stearns and the Mets a trade? I think it would be. Well, it would suck for from the Brewers' standpoint. I mean, what are you going to get back from him? Can he get DeGrom? Why? So he could pitch four innings? And be healthy for the offense to fail them in the playoffs because that's why <laughs> they lost? Yeah, I mean, you look at the roster and it's like, what are the players that you'd like to add? Maybe a, maybe a <laughs> few. Get Javi Baez. Get a Rizzo, <laughs> Baez, and Bryant and have a day. What about, what about a straight-up swap? David Stearns for Pete Alonso. Oh, that, no. sol- that solves your first base. Pete Alonso, former Madison Mallard. Yeah, he's. I, I don't know. Home run he, champion. He's kind ben of a disgusting player to watch. For, what? He frustrates me. Former Madison Mallard? Home run derby I champion? I mean, he's got three years left under Maybe contract. Maybe he'll be able to finally help the healthy pitching staff that pitched well. It, it would. It would. He would be the best first baseman they've had since Prince Fielder. So would Rizzo. <laughs> Pete Alonso would be a lot cheaper. Get out here with this Rizzo nonsense, Ben. Your mic, your mic has been turned off. <laughs> Well, it's a it's an NFC North opponent. Those games are just almost twice as meaningful because if you can win, obviously that it, it's twofold. You're giving that other team a loss. So it's we've stressed a lot of importance on the North and certainly just the, being the longest rivalry in the National Football League. I think it just adds another layer and it's going to be different going back there. I remember that was the first game of the 2019 season. It was so loud there and, and the fans were really into it. So we anticipate it being much the same. There it is, head coach Matt LaFleur and a guy who is just as handsome, Mike Clemens, joining us right now, our Packer Insider. What's up, Mike? Good morning. Yeah, but I have, used, I have to use just for men on my beard. So <laughs> I think LaFleur looks like he uses a little jet black just for men too, Mike. So maybe you guys I have that in so. common. Yeah, it's the number seven. You can find it on the store shelf at Walgreens. <laughs> I, like, I like how you know right where it is, Mike. <laughs> uh, Dom Caper, I think Dom Capers used the uh, the whatever the highest strength um, jet black dye was when he was a uh, I don't DC. know what that was. I don't know if that was a weave or you – know, I was always afraid like a bird was going to pick that thing off his head. <laughs> I think that was actually boot polish. <laughs> Because, you know, Dom is the nicest man in the world. Like, last time we were at Combine, you know, he was consulting the Jaguars this that year. Now I believe he's with the Lions. And he's uh, walking down the hallway, and I came up, and he came up and said hi to him. And, you know, he's a little shorter than me. And, um, and I was just exchanging some pleasantries, and then, he, and then we talked a little bit about Green Bay, and he looks at me in the eye and says, those are good years, weren't they? <laughs> eight, eight years in a row we went to the postseason. Yeah, eight years. Years. He said that two or three times to like, you know, when you take that back home to Wisconsin, remember you repeat that, okay? When I was there, we went to the playoffs eight years in a row. Okay, Dom. By the way, what's that <laughs> thing on your head? You know? <laughs> uh, we have a comment saying it was shoe wax. Uh, that's what it was. So it was, Okay. 
All right, I can go whatever it was, whatever it was, it needed to change. <laughs> uh, Mike, uh, what's going on? Speaking of uh, changes, obviously, Mike McCarthy, once the Packers head coach, talking about going 1-0 and every week, and then Matt LaFleur stealing Mike McCarthy's lines at the podium yesterday? Well, yeah. What I don't, this is how this unraveled. As I watched the tape of the uh, Packers and Bengals game, mm-hmm. and I actually made a note of this in-game during my Twitter, like, oh, this is a question that you know we should maybe be sure to ask, and we really didn't because of because the game became the Mason Crosby story, right? Yeah. Um, it's the uh, it's the fourth quarter, and the Packers drive down the field about seven plays, and they get to a second and goal from the six yard line, second down. And, uh, it, you know, they've got the Bengals defense on their heels. And Rodgers comes to the line, and then he starts doing this, uh, you know, check of some kind where he's tapping his helmet. At the same time, Lucas Patrick, who's filling in at center, he's thrown out, he's pointing his arm to, you know, maybe identifying who the Mike linebacker is. He's making some sort of declaration for their protection. And they're talking at the same time. And then Rodgers is looking left and right, and he gets frustrated, and then you can see the play clock is winding down. And instead of running the play, you know, they did some no huddle against the Bengals, and then Rodgers ends up using 20 or 30 seconds. Like, that's supposed to be get people off rhythm and be fast, and he, he's changing plays and stuff. And so he calls a timeout, and he, you know, pulls off the chin strap, and he's ticked off, and he goes over there and talks to LaFleur. They come back. And they run a, uh, a running play to A.J. Dillon to get stopped for a yard. Then they try and throw to Randall Cobb. It's incomplete. And Mason Crosby converts the field goal, and they go up, I think it was 22-14 then. Bengals came back and held on to the ball for seven minutes, 13 plays, and tied up the game. And it's like a Super Bowl team does not let these guys back in. You should have gotten a touchdown there. So I asked LaFleur what happened on that play. Yeah, so we, we had a play. Um, it was a it was a basically a, a run pass can and we didn't get the look um and i think we were just kind of winding down down on the clock so we called the timeout and we just we we talked about it again whether or not we wanted that play and um we felt good about it and you know i think we only got like a yard or so on the run unfortunately but we were hoping for for a different look and they didn't give it to us you always got to keep your head on a swivel out there especially with Aaron Rodgers right mike yeah now do you remember when Mike McCarthy once said, I don't follow stats. No, stats yeah. are for losers. Yeah. I, uh, I, I abide by the word of McCarthy, Mike. So, <laughs> well, that was at the end-of-season presser <laughs> after the Packers had gone like 8-7-1, and one, I think it was. That was the year that, that uh, when the Packers were playing the Bears and Rodgers, the first time he broke his collarbone, mm-hmm. right? So they had this horrible season. And so, you know, you're trying to talk to McCarthy about, well, you know, here's what the offense was missing without Rodgers with this and that and all that. And McCarthy just blew it off and said, yeah, I don't follow that. Stats are for losers. Okay. And it became sort of a famous line. Now, right now, the Green Bay Packers, they rank on offense. They're 26 in the red zone. They were number one by far last year in the, in the gold zone, all that stuff. But they have not been able to convert in the, in the red zone. And on defense... Right now, they're 32nd. Hmm. If, if the opposing team gets into the red zone, they're scoring. I think it's like 13 times in a row. Oof. So, you know, he's got a problem there. It's, it's a kind of a stat to, to watch. And so after I talked to LaFleur about that breakdown in the red zone, he got this question. You mentioned, you mentioned numbers. When do stats start mattering? I don't, uh, stats are for losers. Sorry. Hell yeah. <laughs> you guys can have a heyday with that. All I care about is wins and losses. And right now, we lost our first game of the year. We're four, we're, we've won four in a row, and we're trying to go 1-0 and this week. So as long as we keep winning, I'll let you guys write about the stats, and we'll just try to keep uh, taking it one game at a time and going 1-0 each week. Wait, I'm just wondering, what, do, what you, is do you not know that Bill has a history with that and that <laughs> your predecessor told him that too? Oh, I did not know that. I, I didn't study Mike McCarthy's uh, press conferences. So, spawning stats like crazy. So, I'm not a big stat guy. I just want to win. I just want to win. Um, Mike, if you hear Matt Lafleur start saying, "Listen, I'm a highly successful NFL head coach." Let's just state the facts. I'm, I'm a highly successful yeah. NFL. Oh, you're gonna, yeah, right. You, yeah, you're going to be. Now we got trouble. Then you know for a fact he's studying Mike McCarthy press conferences. 
Now, yeah, now you guys are in serious trouble. Well, he so, does like to run the damn ball, Mike. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does. <laughs> Stats so, are for losers. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, so that was just that, you know that just was like wow that is that is weird that whole that old thing. Is did you ask bad. Did you ask Lafleur? It's like, do you know that wins and losses are also a stat, though? Well, yeah, well, uh, no, you know, because <laughs> we're not there to heckle. We're there to just yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, professional, professional, back. professional. That's what this was so funny. Sometimes listeners say, "Well, why don't you ask him this? Why don't you?" It's like we're not we're not here to heckle. We're just trying to try to get to to the truth of the matter. What what are these guys talking about in their meetings? That's all we're trying to get to. Uh, another thing. Uh, so, th- this other thing about Matt Lafleur is he's not big on the rivalry. You know, I mean, Mike McCarthy used to play that film where, you know, you'd see Dick Buckus and Gail Sayers and Nitschke. And, you know, he'd talk about the tradition of the Bears-Packers rivalry. And Matt LaFleur's first game was the 100th anniversary of football when I think it was 10-3. to But all that prime time and, you know, the Bears were looking so much forward to that. We got a new coach, you know, fresh meat, all that kind of thing. And we got, you know, Khalil Mack and all this buildup on defense. And you know Lafleur found a way to beat him. So, but Lafleur is very much—he's not talking to 23-year-olds about the history of the Packers and the Bears. He's only talking about this week's game plan. And so, I—that's I, very interesting. Yeah, uh, that's what's going on here. So, the in the meantime, one other thing that's has happening is this: the former—you know—every week Matt Lafleur is facing someone that he used to work with because of the five, six teams he worked with. In the NFL, the Shanahan's and all you know, all these other guys that he's worked for. But this week, he's facing a guy who was with him every day, or was with the, in the Packers organization for three years, and that's Mike Pitton. Pitton, the Packers defensive coordinator, yeah. now the senior defensive counsel, you know, to to Matt Nagy. So I asked Devontae Adams, "What's it going to be like facing a guy that was, you know, in your camp at practice every day for three years?" Yeah, he'll probably be hating on us over there, trying to trying to drop a few gems. And he told me a few things. I asked him before when he was here, um, you know, just like how he would play me or whatever. Because I think uh, when we played them, uh, the, when he on the Browns, 2017, I think he was over there. So I'm like, well, how would you play me now? And he kind of told me a few things, but just in a joking matter. So I guess we'll see uh, on Sunday if, how how uh, how much alive that comes. But. Um, I'm sure he'll, he'll he'll definitely be trying to drop some gems and figure out a way to stop it. But uh, you know that's just kind of how the game goes. Is Devonte Adams even stoppable, though, Mike? Uh, you know, I just saw his name was trending again this morning because of all of his numbers. But you know, no no question, Aaron Rodgers is feeding him the ball. But Aaron will say, "Look, you know, it, it's not me." Um, actually, Rodgers addressed this directly. He said, "You know, he's our best player. He's our best weapon." And the coaches are trying to figure out a way to get the football in his hands. In the meantime, you ask Devontae, so, you know, you're a veteran. How do you feel about this 100-year-old rivalry between the Bears and the Packers? Um, I mean, I don't – I look at everybody like a rival. Um, you know, it means something to me because I know how much it means to this organization in the town more than anything. Um, I hate everybody that I play against. So when, I, when I'm going out there, I'm going to try to like – I, like I said last week, I'm going to go out there and try to murder you and with every opportunity I can. And um, – you know, they'll, they'll get the same treatment just like last week. It's, it's the same thing in my head. But um, it's an age-old rivalry, and it means a lot to this town and, and just to really to football. So it's, it's important that we, we add another one in our column over here. Oof, that's some strong words from Tay. Yeah. So over the years, I asked Aaron Rodgers this because he's just, you know, he's a bear killer. He's 20-4 and four against Chicago. Yeah, don't tell PETA. Since he, since he took over. And – uh, I remember there was one night several years ago that um, there was a story where he ran. He was out for dinner on Saturday night, the night before a Bears game, and he ran into some family, and it was really nice. It was like when you know Facebook or Twitter was more new, and and so you get a brush with somebody famous, and you get a selfie, and you post it, and that sort of made news back then. And I asked Aaron about that time, and I said, and, and I said, what's it like on game day at Soldier Field in front of those Bears season ticket holders? I mean, I don't think they're extremely uh, happy with me. They're not very cordial most of the time, but I respect that. I mean, I respect the. It's a great sports town. They got two uh, two baseball teams, a basketball team that I grew up cheering for. Um, I don't know how it was for for you guys, but when I was growing up, one of the few channels we had on TV was WGN, and so you got to watch like Cubs baseball, you know, yes. and. and 
uh, and some some Bulls basketball games for whatever reason. So you naturally became a fan, I think, because I was a big sports fan, and that was the only thing I was on TV. Um, for years, you know, when we played down there, I would the night before go on a long walk and often walk to uh, uh, to dinner. Uh, Mastro's was where I went to dinner for years and years and years in a row. And on one of those walks, you know, a random mom and son, even though I'm all bundled up, you know, wearing a sweatshirt because freezing and a, you know, winter hat and stuff, they recognized me and we walked for, I don't know, four or five blocks together. So that was, that was a nice, uh, a nice chance meeting. But I've always, you know, enjoyed, uh, enjoyed the city, um, enjoyed the fans, even though they haven't really enjoyed me. That's fine. <laughs> I get it. Maybe to be a little, uh, little more love when my time comes to an end playing here, but uh, I do have a lot of respect for the city and, and the sports uh, sports fans they got there. Could you see yourself ever playing there when your time comes no. playing here? No. 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 Hard no. It's just not going to happen, man. No, no. Mike, you shot that down real quick. No, no. Right. Well, and then someone, you know, is saying like, well, is this going to happen? Like every time Aaron Rodgers plays another team, are we going to ask him <laughs> he's going there? Well, he brought it up. Yeah. He just got done saying, well, my time is done, you know. And yeah. I, I, there's things that I like about Chicago and watching those teams. Um, uh, injury-wise, uh, it looks like center Josh Myers, he was able to take some snaps yesterday and, go full participation with his, if it's a broken finger or some sort of a damaged thing on his right hand. Uh, Elton Jenkins, who's been playing, you know, starting left tackle, uh, he's still limited with that ankle injury. The the word is, is that uh, Sports Illustrated reported this last night, that Kevin King had an MRI on the injured shoulder. He injured it early in the Bengals game and then, then really whacked it a second time. But it didn't show any serious structural damage. But I could still see them maybe even put him on IR for three weeks. Mm. And they, so they, they signed this Quinton Dunbar, who played for Washington for many years, uh, was with the Seahawks. He tried out for the Lions, and there's some sort of a thing between him and Dan Campbell, and they cut him on August 2nd in camp. So he's been sitting at home waiting for the phone to ring. But he's 29 years old, and Rodgers was asked, uh, what do you know about uh, this uh, new corner that just signed to the practice squad, Quinton Dunbar? Played against Q a number of times. Uh, I was teasing with him today back when he was wearing a number in the 40s. Not too many corners wear, you know, numbers in the 40s. Um, but he started out as wide receiver, so he always had great ball skills. He could always run. You know, I remember him playing really well in Washington against us uh, one of those years. Just a very competitive guy and good ball skills. He had to be smart about certain routes he threw really outside the numbers the type of routes I felt like he was always good at squatting uh, squatting when he needed to on comebacks and then uh, you know being on the hip on go balls so we got to get him up to speed see if you know he's ready to roll right away but this has been our kind of our lot this year we're playing with uh, you know some backups some guys got to step up and play well we've had a number of starters miss time and I don't see that ending anytime soon and Mike, you said you said Dunbar played under Barry in a previous life, yes? Uh, I, I don't. I don't know if he. Listen, I'm trying or, to. Think. Or did I did I just make that up in my mind? No, I don't know if if it was if that was the Washington team or not. I, oh, I we'll get we'll get the research department on it, Mike. Yeah, that's a good question. But in the meantime, I uh, I thought this was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, um, this is good. You know, Aaron Rodgers took over for Brett Favre in 2008, and so since then, how many? quarterbacks have the Chicago Bears gone through at starting? And the answer is 16. <laughs> Crazy. 16 quarterbacks. Oh, man. And, you know, so Aaron, uh, here, you know, you ask him about, uh, do you remember Quentin Dunbar? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. So we asked Aaron Rodgers, how many of those uh, 16 starting quarterbacks for the Chicago Bears can you remember, Aaron? Counting playoffs? Counting the playoffs. It's not the same one. Not counting. Yeah, I could get close, probably. Jay Cutler, Kyle Orton, Rex Grossman, Mitch, Thor. That's about it. What did you say? That's about it. I just gave up. Giving up. I got a meeting to go to, man. Can't rack the memory banks. There's some tough ones in there, Mike. Jason Campbell is one I don't think Rodgers Oh, Jason Campbell. Mike Glennon, right? They paid yep. all that money Josh for him. Josh McCown. 
Jimmy Clausen, right. yeah. And then you can add in, you know, your Andy Dalton and uh, yeah, Nick Foles. And, yeah, it goes on and on and on, doesn't it? So. Yeah. Quinton Dunbar, so, actually, in his first two years with the Redskins, would have been a corner with Joe Barry at D.C. And Joe Barry was and there it is, the research department on it, Mike, for you. Thank you, Rowdy. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, Mike, and much. we appreciate your time, brother. Um, you go down to Chicago? You're going to be down there? Absolutely. Oh, dude. Absolutely. I, yeah, I can't right. wait to get the full report from you. Uh, next week, after the Packers hopefully get a nice little victory over the Bears, well, and go into that steakhouse to see if you know Rogers is going to buy me dinner. So we'll yeah, see. just kind of just hang around, Mike. You know, yeah. and put it on the Rogers tab, anyways. Okay. <laughs> All right, boys. We'll keep see you, Mike. Posted. Good stuff, brother. There he is, Mike Clemens. Mike Clemens NFL on Twitter. Channel here, Bill Michael Show as well.